0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Career Gems Podcast. Get yourself a cup of coffee or tea and get ready for some insightful conversation. So, as women, we sometimes get mixed messages about the best way to be successful in our careers, which makes finding our voice and using it to get what we want very difficult. So to explore this topic about our voice, I have with me a delightful person who is a seasoned project management professional an advocate for introvert leaders, and now author of the book, Once Too Scared to Speak, Now I Won't Shut Up, my dear friend, Adesi Obia. Hi. Hi, Niratsu. Welcome. <laughs> welcome to this learning process of podcasting.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm ready for fun, for a good time. I know. So how do you feel? Hmm. How do I feel in this moment?
0: <laughs> I feel yeah. cool.
1: The word is cool. The AC, the AC in the room, I mean, it's chilling. So
0: it's nice. I feel cool. <laughs> nice that you bring that up. Because unfortunately, I woke up with a cold today. So I was thinking, I should I reschedule this discussion? I don't think I'll get her again. It's such a rare opportunity to have time to discuss with, you know, this type of in-depth conversations with people that have busy lives. So I was like, oh, I have to have the conversation, even if it means kind of, Leading, I need to do most of the talking. <laughs>
1: it's all good. That's what we're here for, support, have you? <laughs> So I'm happy to support our... Yeah,
0: okay. Yeah. Okay, so just give me or give the listeners out there a brief background on your professional journey so far.
1: Hmm. I keep getting asked this question. I should have a ready-made answer by now. <laughs> My professional journey. Okay, let's see. Um, I kicked off in the project management field over 15 years ago, Uh, but funny enough, I didn't even know it's project management that I was doing, right? I was hired to manage a project when I was in university, uh, when I went to school at the university of New Orleans, Louisiana, many, many years ago. And so my first venture into project management was the on-campus job I had. I had to manage a program that was focused on STEM, um, students, getting STEM students scholarships and grants and opportunities for them to stay in school, specifically minority students. And I had to manage the projects, manage the funding, manage the database, and all of that. So that was my first project management experience. Then after that.
0: That sounds a lot like for a first experience. <laughs>
1: Well, you see, I was a little bit late to the party when it came to working. So by the time I entered, they had to give me something serious. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I didn't start, I mean, officially working for anybody until around, I think, it's not 18 years of age. Yeah. So I think I was a little bit late compared to those who started doing maybe after school jobs when they were in high school and stuff like that. So, So yeah, so I began there. Then from there, I moved into, wow, into more project management work, to be honest. So I worked for many brands when I was working, living in the U.S., so brands around health, brands around technology. I did a lot of brand promotional project management work, um, and then eventually I moved back to Nigeria in 2015 from the U.S. after schooling and working there for a bit, and I moved into public health, and I started doing program management slash project management work in the public health space. And then from there, I moved into working in the justice sector. So managing projects in the justice space and in the gender sector as well. And in tech. So I've just done a lot of project management work across multiple sectors. Yeah. I think that's in a nutshell. I'm sure I'm forgetting something I've done. But. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's
0: been an interesting one. And at such a young age, there's so many things that have been accomplished. So when you look back at that whole process or journey of learning, what sticks out to you as your defining moment where you realize that, okay, I am doing what I am meant to be doing? I mean, for some people, it's very late in their career, right? Or some people, it's very early on, they're very sure of who they are. Mm. I mean, you, you can go to school and study something and then come out into the you know job world and realize that that has nothing to do with your passion, really, right? So when do you feel like you found your niche and what is that niche
1: interesting so i was one of the people that took a longer time <laughs> to figure it out um funny enough i was joking yesterday that uh, when i was growing up as a kid i wanted to be a detective and uh flight stewardess Clearly, i was thinking in other lanes <laughs> i wasn't thinking project management mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but yeah and then in school i got my first degree in biology and my master's in healthcare management. So again, I wasn't necessarily thinking I was going to really? be known as a project management specialist. That wasn't what was on my mind. Yeah. Um, clarity came for me many years later when I actually moved back to Nigeria. And after I had worked a bit in the public health space, I really like paused at one point a couple of years ago, and I asked myself, who are you really? Like, you? What do you bring to the table? What value are you adding? What are your core strengths? And I just sat down with myself one day and I listed them out. Like, okay, what am I good at? What do I care about? And what can I use as an avenue to impact people in the world positively? And so I said, okay, what checks all those boxes? First thing that came to mind, project management, right? Because I really believe that all of life can be viewed through the lens of project management. I really Mm -hmm. do. I feel like when you look at people's lives, whether it's their relationships or their careers or whatever else, their spirituality, their faith, whatever it may be, you will either see really good project management skills in play, or you will see bad ones. It's, so I, th- I thought to myself, I have a value for project management. Yeah. I'm good at project management. Mm-hmm. It's the field that I've been working in for over 10 plus years. That's one of my core things. And so it became very clear to me that I wanted to spend the rest of my life in some shape, form, or capacity, always finding a way to project management the work that I do. And to impact the world through structure and through the beauty of it, and the beauty of organizing, coordinating, and yeah. Then, aside from that, I also believe heavily in storytelling. I'm a lover of storytelling, so I've grown up loving books, loving films, loving every avenue to write stories. I mean, um, and my book that you just referenced was also because of the love of writing stories, yeah. so I'm feeling the need to share stories i learned. So, yes, so it was later on in life, but I finally figured out what I meant to be doing. I meant to do storytelling and also finding project management in everything that I do. Finding the beauty of it. And
0: yeah, yeah. So, tie the now that you you have this book right to your history of project management, you have been in a space where you had to deal with a lot of people. Project management is basically bringing people that have different functions together, right, to achieve a purpose. So that means a lot of internal and external stakeholder management, right? And then there's this concept of one's too scared to speak, (laughs) you know? How are you able to find your voice within project management? Because uh, it's it's a role that has a lot of assertiveness requirements, right? A lot of, you know, uh, navigating and holding people accountable. So how do you feel like you got to the point where you married the two Mm. together?
1: Good question. Now I have to pause and think deeply. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's see. Okay, so how did I get to marry it together? Let me see. Um, Okay, so interestingly enough, right, it was in the leadership component of project management that I actually found my (laughs) point Um, or found confidence in using my voice. So my book, again, that you referenced, Once too Scared to Speak, Now I Can't Shut Up, or I Won't Shut Up, actually, was written because I grew up super shy, super introverted, and not just regular introverted, because I'm still an introvert now. But this was extreme introversion. I, I found it extremely difficult to speak in public, to speak to people outside of my family members. So, I, I never spoke yeah, in school. Yeah. I never did anything that would warrant me to open my mouth and speak. So, be it debate club, be it going out for plays in school, I, I tried my best to shy away from anything that required me to bring out my voice in public. Because I was afraid that my voice yeah. wasn't good enough, that maybe my accent wasn't good enough. Because I grew up a little bit around the world, moving from place to place, and sometimes feeling left out and not really yeah. part of the people that I was around. So I just had that sense of my voice isn't good enough or worthy to really be shared beyond those within my family who I felt were my safe, trusting place. Now, what happened for me, interestingly enough, was the more I started doing project management work,
0: and the more I had to
1: manage programs and projects and teams, I realized, oh, it's not going to work unless I open my mouth. (laughs) It's not going to... I can't bring stakeholders together in a room and not say anything. It's not going to work. I can't communicate our project objectives, I can't communicate strategy, I can't brainstorm on strategy with anyone who can collaborate. Yeah. The of opening my mouth. So all the work I've done up until this point has been um, tools for me, like teaching yeah. tools for me to learn how to speak and use my voice. So when you say, okay, how did I get that voice? How did I get the confidence in that voice? It was through having to step up as a leader as in projects and programs I managed. Having to lead people, having to manage people, having to lead strategy discussions, lead strategy plans, having to lead stakeholder engagements, all of that has led me to where I am today, where I am comfortable using my voice. Now, does it mean I don't ever still feel shaky sometimes when I say something? Yeah, it happens. I'm not going to pretend that doesn't happen. But the good thing is, because I've had enough practice and experience having to use my voice with my voice, I can now overcome those doubts and fears when they show up. Because they will still show up. <laughs> I can't speak for anyone else, but they will still definitely show up for me from time to time. Uh, yeah.
0: I mean, it's funny that you say you're uh, that you are an introvert. And I fancy myself one as well, because I have a fear of public speaking, right? Like, I, I don't feel confident to stand in a group of, say...
1: Which I would never know. I would never know that. I've always known... You.
0: 50 or 30 people. It's weird because, because I can talk in front of a thousand people because they won't be they won't be people to me. Yeah, but if, if it's such a weird thing, like if you have a setup of twenty to fifty people, and I can see their faces and reactions, I will not have the confidence to speak because <laughs> I'm constantly, I'm yeah, more worried about their reactions to to what I'm saying. And interpreting it onto myself, I mean, it's all in my head. I know, right? But then I, I keep thinking, oh, what do they think? I keep analyzing what I'm saying, it's how I'm saying it, what it like. So it, it it's very uh, interesting where you have different types mm-hmm. of introverts within within like um, the corporate world, and you get to like you said, you would not think that I'm like that because we've worked together, and I speak my mind when i need to right yeah but trust me i'm not doing it out of confidence right i'm just Mm -hmm. doing it out of i feel like that's just what i'm supposed to do you know like it, it gets natural to me to have my voice heard but it doesn't mean that the emotions of that voice being out there having to worry about being judged is not there. I think it, it's how I grew up, right? So I grew up in, in a household where you have to say what you think, you know? <laughs> like, my parents would make you speak every day. Like, how was your day? How was school? What happened? You know, like, if you had a, an issue with someone at school, my mom would be like, okay, what did you do about it? It's like, like people can't bully you. You have to say, you know? <laughs> so, so I knew how to say things when I needed to say them. But it didn't mean that it came from confidence. I don't know if that means... So that's
1: interesting because I haven't thought of it that way. Speaking up even when you're not confident, but just speaking up because of a sense of right to, to speak mm. up. like you feel like you have the right to speak up, even if you are not confident about You are comfortable. Okay. So it's, it's funny yes. because I love that you referenced your family upbringing. Now, I had a very similar one in the sense that my father... Is a retired diplomat. My mother is a former English teacher. So speaking and mm-hmm. speaking up in the house was very much encouraged. Always encouraged. The funny thing for me is, and again, I'm a very interesting human being, I guess, but the funny thing for me is it didn't translate oh, yeah. when I went outside the house. So so they gave me all the tools at home to speak up. <laughs> you had a safe bubble within the household, right. right? That, like, That was your bubble. And then the outside world... <laughs> was different (laughs) right we had a lot of conversations at home (laughs) because at home i'm talking we're talking we're laughing we're discussing engaging with my sisters and my brother with my parents so we're always speaking at home but once i got to school (laughs) or once i got anywhere outside the home it's like i just became news so it was it was it's interesting to hear you say that you had that coaching at home to speak and then it also translated yeah As for me it's a yes yeah
0: because i always find it uh
1: strange when i hear
0: like motivational speakers say things like oh, uh, speaking your mind or having your voice is part of your confidence and, and for me it was never really attributed to confidence. it's just that it's in my DNA to say in my mind, like I didn't think it was something that I couldn't do. And I, I do feel most times that maybe I'm not confident to do it. But I just feel like I have to do it, you know? <laughs> so. And so every time I read about, you know, um, how you, you break out of your shell, how, you know, um, you can move from being an introvert to an extrovert, I, I don't always relate it, you know, because because the scientific explanations or the, the stages of saying oh, moving out of this space of anxiousness, nervousness, to confidence is where you become an extrovert, right?
1: Okay, so you just got my blood tickled because you just said something now that I'm always pushing back against. You just said trying to get people to move from being an ext- introvert to an extrovert. I don't believe Mm. that's required for you to do well or for you to speak up in life. I don't think you need to change your core personality (laughs) type. I really don't. I feel like you can lead as an introvert, you can speak up as an introvert. I just think trying Mm. to build up speaking skills is different from saying, I want to become an extrovert. (laughs) Like I can be an introvert and speak right? Yeah, so I don't like the narrative that goes around that makes it seem as if, the only way you mm-hmm. can speak up and bring exactly. value is if you're an, if you're an extrovert, because yeah. there
0: are many introverts. Yes, that are successful. and uh, yeah, I know <laughs> very successful, and they still have their voices heard, right? And they still have their voices. Mm-hmm. So then, another thing is, I feel part of. For me, going back to what we were saying about how one grows up in a family that encourages things and then you go outside and then it's it's almost like they sheltered you into thinking the world is perfect, but it's not, right? <laughs> so, so I think for me, I really didn't even realize that there was a difference between how being a female introvert or extrovert is interpreted. Sometimes... So for me, that whole lack of maybe confidence in my extrovertedness <laughs> came when I realized it's, it actually didn't even happen in uni for me. I think it happened in my first job, where <laughs> in meetings, I would say certain things and then it would be breezed through, like I didn't say it. Like I believe everyone heard it, but no one acknowledged it. And then I would literally lock eyes with a guy in the same meeting and he would Mm. just pick up what I said in that same meeting. And he would be like, yes, that is a good idea. (laughs) So that now made me feel like, okay, it's one of two things here. Mm. It's either I protect my (laughs) ideas, I keep them to myself. (laughs) I'm not even going to add that value to this discussion because I don't like the feeling that comes out of me trying to add that value. But to avoid rambling around about, around the topic, I'm basically talking about how women are perceived in the workplace when it comes to their voice. What are your experiences in that regard as a project manager? You've managed teams that have had, or projects with teams that have had mostly men, Right. And maybe you are the only female as the project manager. Like, how do you feel like you say things, they stick, they're acknowledged, and they're followed.
1: Again, another question that makes me have to pause. It could be oh, that you've never experienced so, it, right? <laughs> oh no, I have. I definitely have. So when you were saying your experience, right? Sharing your ideas, somebody, a male, shares the same idea and then that is approved. Oh yes, I've experienced that for sure. Um, so when you, in terms of how do I deal with it? So I too have felt bad, right? When that happened to me in the past, I would feel like, uh-uh, my idea is, that's my idea. Somebody is talking about, mm. isn't that what I just said? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I have felt it too. So what I, funny enough, found myself doing in the workplace to combat that was mm. being a bit louder with my voice. And so what I mean by that is, Naturally, my voice can be very soft-spoken, and Uh. not just regularly soft-spoken, but inaudible. Mm. And I think that that's because of all those years of not speaking out in public. So whenever I'm in public, naturally my voice will just go quite low. So I've had to tell Mm. myself, okay, if you're speaking in a meeting and you want to share an idea, or you're in a conversation with your team and you want to share an idea your voice can't be inaudible. (laughs) So my goal has always been make my voice audible enough to be heard. That's just number one. Because if my voice is super inaudible and it's very low already, it sounds like I'm not confident about what I'm saying. That's just number one. So the biggest thing I had to do was make my voice audible enough to be heard at all. Yes. And then number two, another thing I would say is getting, validating Mm. other people's voices in the room. I have found that that helps my voice to get heard more. So I, I realized that the more I focus mm-hmm. on having my voice heard in the room, alone,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: I didn't always come off as a collaborative person <laughs> or come off as somebody who cared about other voices in the room. So what I do is I simply validate other voices in the room. So when somebody in the room shares a great idea, I validate that first. And then from sharing that, I am um, validating that, I now put forth my great idea as well. So my job now, whenever I'm in a room and I want to make sure my voice is heard is one, make my voice audible Mm -hmm. enough to hear. That's just number one. (laughs) And then number two, validate other voices in the room first and then drop my voice Mm -hmm. too. Now, of course, this plays out in many different ways, right? It doesn't mean I have to only share thoughts thoughts after everybody else in the room. It just means I'm actively always looking to validate other voices in the room. And I've seen that that works well for me. Because the more I do that, then the more people also want to hear what I have to say. Mm. And what you're saying is, it actually is a process.
0: Like, I started off also just mm. going back into my shell and keeping it to myself. But as you grow into positions of leadership mm. where you feel you have the responsibility to be an example to others in the same room, right? I think you have to bite that bullet and think I have to do something about it. It's, it's a responsibility now. Because mm-hmm. from what you're saying about validating other people's voices, it's that instinct of responsibility that kicks in. Like, if I want this to work, I have to do something about it. Right? So it's something that that we tend to learn over time. And I think it's also something that happens mostly to mm-hmm. I think guys don't have that problem because they're used to having their feelings or voices
1: validated, are extremely shy as a guy. You don't walk into anything room and you're not going to say. So um, I'm going to have to agree with you based on the experiences I've had in in rooms with guys, right? <laughs> so there is that sense of a guy's voice in this room is automatically mm-hmm. going to be heard. That's just like, it's minimum requirement. We're going to hear what he has to say. And many times it does feel like mm-hmm. any woman in the room has to really push <laughs> For her voice to be heard. So so I do believe in some settings, we have more work to do as women to make sure our voices are heard 100%. And so that -hmm. is why, like you said, it's a responsibility. I feel like it is a responsibility that we keep speaking. (laughs) And let's say our voice isn't heard the first time. Mm -hmm. We should be comfortable to repeat it again. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm not sure if everybody heard me. Here, Here is what I was trying to say. We have to be able to repeat it because... Even if people in the room act like they didn't hear what you said or just didn't hear what you said, okay, well, I'm going to say it again. Re- Reminders and repetition help. I'm going to say it again until you hear
0: Yeah, and, and I think having uh, that, that it's, it's an unconscious bias, right? Because I'm writing a piece about unconscious bias and, and in doing that research, I found that it's not intentional most of the time because women do it to women as well. Like it's just, sometimes they just feel like, Oh, the man is saying something. We're conditioned to listen to him more than we are. To listen to fellow women. You have to be conscious as a leader in the room to make sure everyone is heard. So it, it, it I really do feel like it's a responsibility. But speaking of unconscious bias, um, as women, sometimes there's a bias towards other women who speak up. Have you experienced You know, because... Then you could be labeled bossy, aggressive, you know, like pushy. And the same thing, you would be doing the same thing that if a guy did, he would be labeled confident. A leader, he doesn't take any nonsense. (laughs) You You understand, right? Because I have found myself in those positions where I say something and then um, a guy has said to me, why are you being so bossy? Mm. And that triggers me. (laughs) <laughs> mm. Like, why does it have to be that if I stand for something and say it politely, by the way, but well, just because it pushes certain unconscious bias buttons in you, you have to give me that label? What is your experience, even if it's not personal to you? What do you
1: see in that sort of uh, situation? Oh, you're it's personal. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, as you were talking, a perfect example came to my mind of when this happened. So there was a project I was working on several years ago with uh, multiple stakeholders. And most of our communication had been through email. Many of us were in different country locations. We hadn't physically met yet. So most of our project communication was through email for like maybe the first six months to a year. So there was a time when I had to go for a field supervisory visit to one of the field locations for the project. And yeah. I went and I met two of the men that were on the project that were from other countries. Um, and when I met the two men, I remember one of them, I never forget. He, he, he looked at me because he was shocked. He looked at me and he said, oh, you're, you're a lady. I thought you were going to be a guy, right? From, and apparently it's based on the tone of my email communication. That apparently it was very clear, direct to the point, very straight. And I was so, funny enough, I wasn't even offended. I was actually quite amused. Because in my mind, it's, it's what you said, unconscious bias. I, I thought to myself, I'm, I'm a guy because I had a clear email, or I write clear emails. Or I'm a guy because I have specific requests in emails, and I'm confidently asking for specific things, and I'm confidently saying no to things that won't work for the project. So it was funny to me because I said to myself, this is really something. So being confident, being clear, being direct is considered to be a guy thing. And if we do it as women, oh, we're towing the line.
0: <laughs> Imagine that. And it's it's such a manly attribute to be clear and direct.
1: So so I made it my mission on, on that project, after he said that, to continue to do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I made it my mission. I was like, by the time we're done with this project, what you are going to say is that you have never engaged someone like me before (laughs) of the female gender on this type of projects. Because I was like, you're not going to pigeonhole us as women into boxes like that. I'm not just going to now change how I speak in in my emails or change how I converse. No, no, no. So funny enough, throughout the life of that project, at different points in time, different stakeholders from different organizations would come to me and they would say, very assertive. Mm -hmm. I like it. These these were male stakeholders. They'd come to me and they'd say, you're a very serious leader. Like, you're a strong leader. I like it. And so even my team would say, your leadership, your leadership, right? You're quite an assertive leader. And it was such a proud moment for me because one, I'm the kid who never said anything in public. That's number one. (laughs) So being called a direct, assertive, confident leader was quite amusing and proud me at the same time, and then secondly, I was like, I'm making this hopefully a bit easier for another woman. They will meet that will come on a project. Mm-hmm. Work on. Mm-hmm. I'm making it a bit easier for her to step into her own confidence, to step into her own leadership role. So that's what I kept thinking in my mind. I was like, I have to, exactly. to show that exactly, exactly. I can lead, just like a man can lead in terms of my work packages. Right at work, I have to be able to show that if you give mm-hmm. us the same opportunities, the same resources, the same tools. work, I can give you the same outputs. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And speaking of uh, encouraging others, for me as a team leader, and I mean, when you're in a leadership position, I always feel like it's a huge responsibility for me to make sure the other females in my team, even when they don't want to. Because sometimes I find they eventually come and thank me later. I offer mentorship, I'm coaching, where it's not needed sometimes. (laughs) It's always needed, so please. We thank you for that. It's always. Or oh, it's rejected, you know. <laughs> I know, so I always make them do like presentations. I, I remember I had a um, a project manager in my team who is very good at documentation. Right, she knows all the different uh, charts and how to make the, you know all the documents come out right with all the specifics. But then she would just submit it, and then she would want a one on one review. And when it comes to a presentation, she'll make the slides and then she'll send it to you, or she'll say, so-and-so helped me in this angle, can they be the one to prevent it? <laughs> you know? So I, I find, and then I would insist that you have to do that. And you would see the learning curves in the beginning, the shaky voices, it's all been there, the, the nervous energy. But then... It's so amazing to watch people blossom. And then you eventually see this person owning their stuff, right? And and being able to to actually speak up for their work. That is a very important thing. I find a lot of times women in teams contribute their fair share, but you always find if it's a group activity, a man volunteers to be the lead or the spokesperson for the group might have done the minimal work or equal work, but by the time the presentation happens, that person is seen as the work, right? So all of the players behind the scenes tend to be forgotten. So when it comes to things like performance reviews or evaluations, you remember the person that spoke about the work. You you tend to forget about the people that did the work. Mm. What is your experience around that? um, How do you think as leaders we need to do better or how we can navigate guiding and grooming other leaders to be able to own their work?
1: I love this question (laughs) last because I have two things to reference here. One, I'll take us a little bit back to when you said Mm. we can be in a room, right? In a meeting room. There are men in the room. There are women in the room. And sometimes we as the women don't speak up in the room for each other. Now, you didn't exactly say that, but that's what I took from it. (laughs) So I hope I'm I'm on the right side. Yes, yes. Okay. (laughs) Now, that is something that I always encourage women to do. And I always encourage myself to do it when I'm in a room that is mixed with both men and women. I really believe that when a woman says or shares a good idea or a great idea, it is incumbent on us as the other women in the room, know this is a great idea to validate that idea and to say at some point in that meeting this is a fantastic idea thank you for sharing that and build upon that idea and sometimes Mm -hmm. we're in rooms and we're afraid to do that we're in
0: rooms exactly you don't want to be seen as you know coddling someone Mm. or uh, and you always do that with again women Hmm. I don't think we have a problem with if there's a guy in our team that did something even as hmm. women saying, well John did a great job here yeah, did a great job, <laughs> yes sometimes
1: it's easier uh-huh. to say it about a fellow man right, but not about a fellow woman so it's like, okay we need to change that, we have to make sure that when women are sharing yeah. great ideas and doing great things, we push them <laughs> we, we just it's simple things, it doesn't have to be anything complex, it's literally being in a meeting and saying, oh Susan Fantastic idea. Oh, um, Ngozi, great idea. Oh, Noratsu, very good. I love Mm -hmm. that idea. I think we should really follow what Nuratu is saying. Being able to speak up for other women also continues to empower women to keep Mm -hmm. speaking up. But but if I'm the only woman in a room speaking up for myself and no other woman in the room is affirming my idea, affirming the value I'm providing, it doesn't matter how much confidence I have. At some point, I might start to doubt (laughs) what I'm bringing to the table because I'm not hearing any confirmation that it's of value and it's being seen as mm-hmm. something of value. So I'm really big on doing anything that I can to champion other women when I'm, for example, in a meeting room. Exactly. Right? Or to share the stories of women that are doing great things. Any way to push the narrative mm-hmm. that women are great and can be great and can be great, let's do that more. That's what I do. Yeah, and
0: it builds confidence. It boosts morale. You know that um, you're on the right track. It's like awards, right? Um when, when people win Oscars or, or Grammys or whatever, it, it doesn't always validate the effort that they put in the work, right? Because you know how much you put and you know that you've had fans who have utilized it in project, You know that the project was successful and the stakeholder accepted your work. But mm-hmm. the award itself is a recognition of your peers, right? That people came together and it's like an encouragement, Telling you that we know you know you're doing a great job, but we just want you
1: to know that we support you in doing that. Thing. We see you, right? That's the thing, like we see you, you're not an invisible person that we, yes, yes. we see Yes, we see you.
0: <laughs> so I think um leadership is a huge responsibility and we need to do more as leaders in positions where you have the chance to bring people. To build that level of confidence. Because to me it's useless if we are not passing. It I think it's a responsibility to create micro leaders. Because secession doesn't happen without mentorship.
1: <laughs> you know? I hundred percent agree. And I and I really love what you said about pushing your female team members to present, right? And that lady specifically you referenced, who did a fantastic job developing the presentation there. And then maybe felt a little bit insecure about presenting the work. I love that, mm-hmm. the that you present. Yes. That also is something that I'm doing yeah. as well. Pushing women that are coming up in our industries, in their career forward, even if they don't think they can yeah. be in the front. Pushing them forward and saying, listen, you're, you might mess up, so what? Mm. <laughs> we all messed up. <laughs> exactly exactly we all messed up at some point and still probably mess up today
0: yeah and you'll find sometimes you spend a lot of time doing certain work yourself right and other people in your team coasting but as as a woman you feel like saying well it was a team effort especially we don't know how to accept recognition sometimes right like or receive praise or or (laughs) brag about our work i mean if you work hard brag about it what's wrong with that, (laughs) you know? Because you see a man stand, put his hands in his pockets, tell you about all the good things that he has done, and you're just listening in admiration. But when it comes to us women, I've been guilty of it a lot of times. we be like, oh, it was a team effort, so-and-so was able to contribute this part. Like, you feel as if you have to diminish yourself to be accepted to the audience that you're speaking to. So that you don't come yes. up as being braggadocious, uh, if that's even a word.
1: I was just thinking braggadocious. Oh, yes, I was just thinking that word, like, braggadocious. Mm-hmm. But that's a real thing, because even I mm-hmm. have personally had that feeling. Mm-hmm. And it still comes up today. <laughs> I'm not fully comfortable sharing everything yeah. that I've done all the time. It's just, it doesn't come naturally to me. I have to always tell myself okay, you need to intentionally share what you do. <laughs> Share what you've done, share what you can do. But it's like you said, I think yeah. many times as women, we've been conditioned, right? Yes. At some point, to try to minimize
0: what we are doing. Yes. Do. Don't say too much. Don't it's come pride. up as too prideful or something. And it's not pride. If you did it, you did it, right? right? But,
1: and and thank you because because again, we aren't we're not supposed to be prideful, right? We're not supposed to be going around like, oh, I'm so proud of, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the best thing yes. ever. Nobody can touch me. Of course, there's a, there's a line to this, right? There's a line to it. Um, but it's important that we are confident in what we are capable of doing mm. now and what we have done, mm-hmm. right? Just mm-hmm. the confidence is really important for us. And as somebody who has had to struggle, exactly, them, say, oh God, through life, I know how difficult it can be to share that information about yourself. Because most times you want to think, Oh, if I do good work, they will know. <laughs> if I do good work and stay quiet, they understand. Yes. Yeah, exactly.
0: Oh, they saw me doing it, they saw me burning the candle lights, Thank, you, you, know. you. Thank just, you. They were with like, me at
1: home when I didn't sleep till three in the morning working on that report. Nobody was with me. And unless I tell <laughs> the story, nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, unless I tell the yeah. story, nobody knows.
0: Nobody nobody cares unless you tell the story, you know?
1: And nobody will care because I didn't tell the story. So that's also why I have such a love for storytelling uh-huh. right now. I'm such a believer of storytelling and mm-hmm. because it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Exactly,
0: exactly. That's a very valid point. Because what I've been able to understand is speaking up for your work is not just about mm-hmm. you. It's about the impact that that has on another person. You have, you're 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 letting other people know it's okay to validate your work without having to wait for others to validate it for you.
1: And and it's also letting them know that you have a real yeah. human story. Because many times people will see you in a position of leadership, right, or management, or whatever, and they will think, hmm. oh, this person has just always been like this. They've always been this confident, and they've always been this mm-hmm. perfect, so to speak, right? Yeah. But <laughs> you don't get anywhere without a journey, right? It's a journey of learning, of faith, yes. of messing up, of being afraid, mm-hmm. of combating those fears. So the more you tell that story, the more uh, quiet, maybe introverted, shy girl who hears the story can say to herself, oh, if she, as an introvert with um, insecurities or whatever yeah. else, can make it to where she has made it, I guess I can too. I can <laughs> She won't believe that or she won't know that um, possibility unless we tell our stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not just for us, like you said, it's also for others. Yes, yeah, it's it's, it's a
0: responsibility. And I, I feel as though um, we don't take it as seriously as we should or recognize it as often as we should. Because, I mean, as women, we always oftentimes have to work twice as hard anyway. And then because of that, we also have to think a lot of this whole speaking for yourself. I I can look back at moments when I find myself in a situation at work where I feel like things were not in alignment and have that feeling at the pit of my stomach that says, "Hmm." Something is not adding up. but I just, just let things go, right? Oftentimes, there are those crucial moments that could be defining moments in your career where it might be the time to pivot. It might be location change you need to do, job change or asking for a change in a position or negotiating a salary or a promotion. But then you just let it go because you feel like that conversation could bring up things that can hinder your standing within a team, right? Uh, And I feel like those kind of things can stop women from attaining leadership positions. It's where you get stuck in a place. You might not be happy. But you need the job or you're just complacent or you you have fear of missing out on that situation. So you're not bold enough to say I need to move out. You know, I don't know if if it's translating the way I'm thinking of it in my head, but <laughs> I'm talking about those defining moments where you find it difficult. Have you experienced that? Where you let things go and it's not a regret thing. But looking back where you feel, if you had the right mentor, the right coach, or a certain level of confidence, things might have shifted. It might have been a pivotal moment for you, that like you missed out. Hmm,
1: that's you Keep making me have to pause and think. <laughs> I'm like, think of a story, think of a story.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, I, I can give you an example. There was a time at a job, um, so I eventually took the step but I procrastinated for a long right, And that was when I wanted to go and do my PhD. I, I was thinking, if I leave my job and go back to school, there's this security about having a job and independence, right? I don't feel like I've saved it enough to be able to take care of myself. And I'm now in my adult self that I'll have to rely on my parents all over again. And what if when I come back, the type of opportunity I currently have Wouldn't be there. And I stalled for a long time until I told myself, well, what's the worst that could happen? (laughs) You have an education, and then, well, the parents will support you.
1: Okay. So, the example I have coming to mind has to do with not having the confidence to ask for what I needed. Uh, But in this case, it was on a project, and what I needed Mm. wasn't necessarily a promotion at that time or anything like that. What I needed was a break. <laughs> I needed rest.
0: Oh <laughs> I needed yeah. I
1: needed mental, physical, emotional, spiritual um wellness at that time. And I needed a break, right? I was it was several years ago I was working mm. non-stop, uh, fully focused on my work, taking on more than I could handle, trying to show that you know I was the strong I'm um, be strong manager. I can take anything. I can handle 100 things at the same time. I can deal with everything, right? And at that same time, I was really terrible at delegating. So I, I'm one of those people that at the time, I was delegating work and then letting the work be delegated back to me. <laughs> so I would delegate it. Ah, yeah. You were
0: not letting them know that. No. You know. Also, being able to say no is is something that we also need to learn as women, mm-hmm. right? So, so the ability to say no without feeling like you're selling yourself short, without se- without seeming like you're slacking or without seeming like you're not taking it all in, which is why I said sometimes we have to do double the work
1: just to prove ourselves. And that was the mindset that mm-hmm. I had, that I had to keep doing double, triple the work. And that I had to really just have ownership over every work package, right? Even the ones that I was delegating to people. And so the beautiful thing about life is the lessons life will always give you. If you refuse to listen, life will slap you with lessons. (laughs) As opposed to just (laughs) quietly (laughs) tell them to you. So for me, what happened was when I was in that mad rat race to really work, 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 overprove myself and not rest and refuse to ask for rest, what happened next? I had an epic burnout. A fantastic one. In fact, for me this is a, a classic rock star burnout. So I lost epic weight. I looked like a shit a shell of myself. I looked ridiculous. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mm. mentally wasn't well. I was I couldn't sleep. I would eat. The food wouldn't show on my body. Like I just I couldn't eat yeah. any, any nutrients in my body. I was consistently getting sick, consistently in the hospital for like a year. I was a hot mess, like from spiritually mm-hmm. to emotionally to mentally to ridiculous, right? And for me, I, funny enough, needed to have that experience to get to where I am today. Because who I am today is significantly different from who I was before that yeah. burnout happened. So once that burnout happened, it was like a wake-up call for me. So it's funny enough, it gave me confidence because the minute I... Your body
0: told you what you can, what it can handle, and what it can't. And you don't want to be in a situation where you stretch it to
1: where... Thank you. You know. (laughs) So the minute that happened, my whole life changed. My perspective on life and work changed. And I told myself, never again would I put anything like work over my health, my wellness. No, no, no. I was like, I'm going to design my work around my life, around my health, my wellness, Mm-hmm. not to design other things around work, which is what I was doing before. And so I completely shifted, started, just started having a better peace of mind, dropped some work packages off my plates. Um, I believe my manager even took some off my plates. I was like, oh, God bless you. <laughs> Everything shifted. And I started yeah. prioritizing differently. And just peace came into my life. More peace, more joy, yeah. more happiness. And I just realized I don't have to kill myself to prove anything. I just have to yeah. do my own job and keep managing my life in a way that makes sense for my mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical health. So, so yes. Mm.
0: Yeah, and you know, it, it's like the conversation is coming full circle, right? We were talking about how you find your voice to speak up for your work. But we also need to find our mm-hmm. voice to be able to say no. But like yes. I, I also think as women, we should be able to have the confidence to say no, to things that we know that will take us to that breaking point, that breaking point. And we should also be able to recognize when others are not able to speak up and you can mm-hmm. see people going through that. Right? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes as leaders, you can actually see when someone is about to be through that burnout or an breaking mm-hmm. and it's not all the time that we say something or do something because sometimes we feel like it's not, It's like their personal life right? that's why for me it's important I believe I've had this conversation with you before where I said it is important to even know your team's personal life, not deep right, but know that, because at the end of the day they're human being. you go through human emotions, sometimes your family life can affect so it's all part of showing empathy without, I mean, you're not allowing people to slack or take advantage. Being human and recognizing that someone needs a mental break or a physical break is also part of the
1: leadership. I love that you mentioned that because two things, It reminded mm-hmm. me that as a leader, I have to continuously always remember that my team is a team of people human beings, right, that are going through things in their lives and I should have some knowledge of what's happening so I can support them as best as I can so that they can also support me back in the right way. Um, Yeah, yeah. But then also, it makes me think of the managers I've had and my gratitude for several of the managers I've had that have been able to step in when I couldn't see myself losing my mind. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I'm yes. For those
0: yeah, because yeah, you can't always see it. Yeah, you can't always see it, right? Because um, it's a mental state. Sometimes people are just on autopilot. Mm-hmm. They they're motivated to just continue it because it's uh, it's like what I said earlier about that's all you know how to do. Mm-hmm. But you are not acknowledging the physical your your body, the
1: mental yeah. state is not aligning with the work. Or your intellectual capacity. Understand the balance that you need in your life. It's not aligning with what you require to be at your best. Mm. Both in work and outside of work.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: So yeah. So I'm happy you mentioned mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. which is the whole concept of work life balance.
1: Work life balance. It is
0: important. It mm-hmm. it's it's like a cliche statement to say. A lot of people, organizations, companies put it in their like benefits package or whatever. Right? Offer work-life balance. But what does that really mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know? What does that mean? Break it down for me. Like, what do you guys mean when you put that in your, like, HR package that you offer work-life balance? You know? So do you have those kind of facilities for people to, to access? You know, for me, what it should look like is the same way you give gym memberships to your staff in part of your benefits package. Offer mm. psychotherapy as part of your work package mm. right offer mental breaks where you need to, to go and find your peace and it's not be uh held against you know? you have women in the workplace who who have children or you know are pregnant or just had babies and they're probably going to postpartum but their maternity leave is over and they have to come back to work they have the work mindset and then you're dealing with. You know, postpartum, and then at home, you have this baby that doesn't sleep. Like, where does the capitalism side of things or productivity Mm -hmm. side of things balance out your mental states? I think it's not even if we cannot expect it from a lot of corporations to be cognizant of that. As leaders, we need to be able to recognize it, show empathy and compassion.
1: And having you said, I'm really glad you mentioned factoring in mental health care into. Benefits, mm-hmm. packages, or whatever other packages employers offer their employees because I do think that's something that we've been taking for granted, right? The mental health of the people that work yeah. on our teams, or even our own mental health when we're working on someone else's team. Yeah. So yeah. I like that you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. I think I've been seeing a shift of that recently. So I've, I've heard of people who work in organizations where they do have an in house therapist that's available maybe twice a week. For those who want to see that therapist, or they do offer mental health days. So, for example, that's what I offer with my team that I work with mental health days because I do believe it yeah. matters. You should intentionally take care of your mental health because that will affect everything else. Mm. Yes, yeah, so I just I love that you mentioned that, and I really think we should keep emphasizing the importance of that. It matters, especially for young women mm-hmm. coming up. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Trying to it does. Their ways. It does. Yeah, We're do really interesting industries. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I wish we had so much more time. I know you have to get off food
1: I know this is. I mean, I'm enjoying myself. I'm chilling. <laughs> we need to do a party. What
0: I'll do is I'll label this one I part one, this. and then we'll have oh. a part two where we can have further conversations. But before we go, I want you to talk about DIY mm. and what it is. And how people can find and um, how you arrive at the whole idea of DYGL. First of all, what is DYGL (laughs) for (laughs)
1: Africa? I actually really love that question. When anybody says, what does DYGL stand for? It's an opportunity to tell a story. (laughs) Okay, so DYGL stands for Design Your Great Life. And Design Your Great Life Africa is the company that I founded a few years ago. Mm. And what we exist to do is really to provide African women primarily with the coaching and mentorship resources, products, and services they need so that they can upscale and achieve their goals. So long story short, we exist so that you as an African woman, for example, right, if you want to achieve a particular career goal or a particular personal goal in your life, we are the medium to help you get there. We are providing you the coaching products and services that you need to get there so you can build up the skill set you require to achieve that goal and so we do that through different means we have trainings online trainings that we offer and in-person trainings on core skill sets that are relevant to the future of work right now and core skill sets that are relevant mm-hmm. to having a balanced life right for example mental health care then we also have events that we put together local events within nigeria for now which will be expanded shortly local events within Nigeria that we bring African women to. So women come to these events within Nigeria and they have an opportunity for three to four hours to mingle, to connect, to speed network, right? To learn. Yeah, I've been
0: to one. I think yeah. it's
1: fun. You <laughs> came to our first one. <laughs> so thank you so much. So it's always a fun time, like you mentioned, a time to really let loose and relax. And that's the big thing I have to impress upon when I talk about DIY. Everything we are creating is with the intent that you feel comfortable in, in anything we create for you. Whether it's a platform we create, a product we create, a service, we want you to feel comfortable leveraging it, using it, and to feel like we are here to support you. That's why we exist. So we've been around for a few years. Um, we kicked off officially yeah. in 2018. That was when you came to the first event. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. And your sister came to the next mm-hmm. one like, yeah. Yeah. And we've been in operation ever since. So we've moved from just having local events within Nigeria to now producing products and services that are tailored to coaching. So coaching for the purpose of upstairs so you can achieve your goals, mm. whether it's a personal or professional goal. Mm. So that's where we are. Yeah,
0: I see why you say that there are similarities because she mentors Initiative. absolutely because it's basically about providing mentorship and uh, career advice and um, Decisions and how you pivot, or how you make sensitive oh, decisions, absolutely. or younger people coming up and navigating that whole world of where do I belong? How do I find my voice? Absolutely. So, I, I see a lot of potential for collaboration. Oh,
1: 100%. When you told me about She Mentors Initiative, I was like, yes. Because again, one, you're my friend, so that's just a plus. And then two, you're doing cool stuff that I yeah. care about. So, that's also a plus. And I'm happy that you also yeah exactly. Family, right? We need more yeah. of these types of companies, organizations, efforts, initiatives. Because I really believe that many times what is standing in the way of us and where we want to go is the skill sets we require. We just don't have them. Mm-hmm. So if we can come in as intermediaries and provide those skill sets yeah. to people to get to their final destination, then I think we're doing something amazing. And that's what I do, I do like that we're really focused on doing. Just making sure that we help African women scale up. Scale up and get to where you want to go. You won't get there by just wishing it or thinking it yeah. or hoping it. <laughs> you have, And by doing, right? And then some, then people will say, what does yeah, it it's mean? It's by doing. Ladies I mentor, tell me. they, they say, okay, but what does it mean? How do I get there? What do yeah. you like? Just do it. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. Let me be very clear. Just do it means scale up. <laughs> Acquire the skills you need to get there. Yeah. Right.
0: Safe yeah, minutes. take the steps you need to, yeah, so need yeah, to
1: get there. And so again, because I don't believe in just talking all the time and not putting action to my mouth and what I'm saying, that's mm-hmm. also why do I do this? Mm-hmm. The way it does to put some action behind what I'm saying. I believe in scaling up. Then we are here to provide opportunities for women primarily to African women to scale up, yeah. and achieve their goals. So yeah. Oh, and in terms of where you can find us, we're all over the place. So, of course, yeah. we have our website, which is www.dyglafrica.com. And then we are also across social media on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram, soon to be on other platforms, with the um, handle at dyglafrica. It's the same handle on all platforms. @dyglafrica. And where do we find the book? Woo! Okay. So now we're going back to my book, so which I'm really, <laughs> really, really like, excited about. So that's why I'm you know, putting my hands together. So um, you can find Once Too Scared to Speak, Now I Won't Shut Up at... <laughs> <laughs> interesting title. Very interesting. I, I Funny enough, that has its own story, but we'll discuss that later, I guess, in part two. Uh, but you can find the book at www.yenguifeuweche.com So I feel like if it's possible, if we can add like the spelling of that somewhere when we're sharing mm-hmm. the video, because it's yeah mouth we'll sound. put it like in the description <laughs> yeah <laughs> i have a very long first name so,
0: <laughs> so yes. yeah yeah maybe you should do like you know um what's what's
1: that thing that the dictionary pronunciation like the series yes. thing
0: tell people how to pronounce your name i have name. that on
1: linkedin so if you go to my linkedin page there's the little microphone icon next to my name and i've actually pronounced how would say it's, it's yeah. wine with it i pronounced it I figured people would need me to do that.
0: Okay. So now that we know a little bit more about a where we have to find her projects. Uh, I really hope we have a part to because There's so much that we need to discuss.
1: I hope so too. And you're fun to talk to. You may, you're making this enjoyable, so I don't mind the price.
0: But, uh, well, I'm glad because I was also nervous about this whole podcast. Because first of all, I don't like to hear my voice back. I'm still not comfortable.
1: (laughs) Who does? Who actually does like hearing their voice?
0: With that, and now that I even have a cold during this conversation, I'm I'm sure it sounds jacked up. But (laughs) we're not listening to hear just the voice, but more about the discussion, right? So,
1: Trust me, I forgot that you had a cold. So if that's any indication that you did a good job, there you go. I forgot you had a cold.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I am so thankful to be sitting here recording this with you. And I'm very, very thankful for the people that would be listening to this episode. And I hope that when you listen, you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music, as well as, I think you should find it with the tagline the Korea Gems Podcast. Or search Dr. Lorette because I hear some people have
1: difficulty finding it, a.k.a. Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. I was like, mm.
0: <laughs> So, you know, the popular ones will pop up first, but we're getting <laughs> Yeah, so thank you so much for being here and uh, see you